Amen. Let me open with John 8, verse 12, like I did last week, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Friends, we are prone to walk in darkness, and there are several millions who, who do walk in darkness. And with Christ, we can have the light. He is the light of the world, is a main theme of the Christmas story. And I wanna encourage you to, to know him and discover what he has for you. Now, for Christmas, this series, uh, throughout the month of December, we're looking at a few different topics. If you recall, last week we studied the Old Testament prophecies. We looked at six specifically referring to the birth of the Messiah. And I encourage you to watch that online if you missed that. Today, we're gonna look at the angel's pronouncement to Mary. Next week is the angel's words to Joseph. And then the following week, that's Christmas Eve. I hope you'll join us. Two services, 4.30 and 6. We're gonna look at the birth of Jesus, right? It's Christmas Eve, that's the, that's the main topic that night, not one of the others. So today, let's look at this, this story of the angel's words to Mary. If you have your Bible, you can open to Luke chapter one, and we're gonna begin, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. She's the one that was the mother of John the Baptist. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel then departed from her. All right, so this is the story we have. A fascinating look at the Words spoken to Mary in this moment. From, from this, I, I see five uncommon moments, and I wanna talk through these. And I say uncommon as an extraordinary. Right? There's all these things in life that are pretty uh, normal. Uh, we're used to them, the, ro- the routine. In this moment, Mary's routine was uprooted. In this moment, there was five different responses that we look at and say, this is a uncommon, if not only time this has ever happened. So I want to look at these. The first is this, this uncommon moment that Mary, she, she lived a life ready to be used by God. She lived a life ready to be used by God. Now this is uncommon because not many people do this. 
If you recall verse 30, it says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. God saw fit to choose Mary to be Jesus's mother. What an incredible task set aside for only one person in human history, the mom of the son of God. This task did not include only carrying the baby in her womb and giving birth in this stable, but it involved raising Jesus, teaching him, caring for him when he was hurt, feeding him, celebrating his birthday. She probably nudged Joseph and said, hey, you should dress up in a red suit and a gray beard and say ho, 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 because it's December 25th, right? <clears throat> Just kidding. All right, come on. Of all the women in this age group and at this time in history, Mary was the one that was chosen. What an uncommon moment. What sort of woman must Mary have been? For God to see her and say, yes, she is the one. As we study scripture, we tend to see this track record of certain men and women that God uses for his uniquely sanctioned tasks. Think about these different stories. You might see Abraham and Daniel and his three friends, these different moments in, in time in which you have somebody who is obedient to God no matter the cost. That's one attribute. Another attribute of somebody that God uses is someone who is zealous for the things of God. I think of Moses and Paul. They were so zealous, they actually both committed murder in their own ways and, and uh, misstepped in that way until God got hold of their lives. They were so passionate for the things of God. Another kind of person that God uses is someone who walks with God and makes him part of their daily lives. I think of Jesus' disciples, they literally walked with him, but they chose to follow Jesus and not all the other options ahead of them. Or you think about the Old Testament prophets, guys like Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, right? That whole, whole spread of folks. Even the New Testament with John the Baptist, they knew God, they walked with him. They made him part of their daily lives. You can have others, folks. These are those who are understood and, and devoted themselves fully to the promises of God. People like Caleb and Joshua and Esther and Mordecai. They knew God, they knew his promises, and they stood firm on those. And then lastly, you know, God tends to use those who worship him privately, not just in public, not just congregationally, but privately. And we see this definitely shown in the life of David, who just loved King David. He loved to worship God. And so, all these different attributes mark men and women and children and students who are used by God. And these kinds of attributes are accessible to everyone who knows God. It's not just for those who, you know, are superhero Christians or whatever it may be. They're accessible to everyone who follows God. He is the one working in them and through them, but not everyone allows God to work in this way. Well, I'm sure glad that I'm glad that Mary allowed God to work in her in this unique moment of time. Let me ask you, what attributes mark your life? I read a handful, you know, somebody who's obedient to God, zealous for the things of God, walks with God, fully devoted to the promises of God, worships God privately. There are several others. Are you someone who wants to be used for God's kingdom purposes? Well, I hope you are, and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit lives in you and the Holy Spirit stirs in you and changes your heart, transforms your heart to desire the things that God desires, and he desires you to be a useful vessel for his kingdom work. 
So first of all, Mary, the uncommon response. Here she is, somebody who is actually loving the Lord privately and chosen by God for this incredible task. Number two, an uncommon portrayal is the angel Gabriel. This guy is a beast. I say guy, no gender, but whatever, Gabriel, right? It isn't every day that somebody encounters an angel, much less the prominent angel Gabriel. And even if they do encounter Gabriel, they're not hearing this announcement. This was something else. So let's take a moment to consider who Mary saw. You know, we hear angel and maybe we think of little babies sitting on clouds playing the harp. Uh, maybe we think of Cary Grant and Denzel Washington with their dapper mannerisms in the movies that they played. But angels are not suave gentlemen. They are fierce, angelic warriors exuding divine holiness. Often they're wielding a heavenly sword and they're heralding on behalf of God Almighty. So in verse 28, one of the verses we read, the angel says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Mary's response is an appropriate one. Shock, terror, concern. If we saw the angelic realm, we would stop in our tracks too. A few different stories in scripture portray this. One is Elisha's famous description. This is 2 Kings chapter six, in which Elisha prays and asks the Lord to open the eyes of his servant so that he would see that those who are with them spiritually in the supernatural are outnumbering those that are the enemies outside the walls. And so the servant's eyes opened up and he sees the chariots of fire on the mountainside and realizes God is with me. Another portrayal of the angelic realm and the response that we have there is John, the Apostle John who wrote Revelation. This man, he lived a full life for the gospel and near the end of his life, he encountered Jesus Christ and angels and various heavenly moments including prophecies of the future and he wrote it all down in the book of Revelation. And at the very end of Revelation, the last chapter, Revelation chapter 22, John says these two words here, or these two, these two verses describe this. He says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But the angel said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in, the, in this book. Worship only God. The angel Gabriel, in this moment, was quite the force which helps to explain Mary's initial reaction to him. And this first verse I read, if you recall, it says that Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. Gabriel was sent on behalf of God. Angels are created beings. Humans are created beings too, and we're made in the image of God. Angels, they do not function on their own accord, and they are empowered to faithfully do their work. And so like Gabriel, we, we, have a, we have a picture of how we can also serve God to the best of our abilities as messengers for God's work, as servants to God's commands. And we are, as followers of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill what God leads us to do. All right, so there's an uncommon moment with the angel. Thirdly, this uncommon reaction here, Mary, she shows us the value of motherhood in her response. 
and in what we know to be the obedience of how she lived this out over the course of the pregnancy and also Jesus' life. In one short story, we're challenged by the divine theology underpinning motherhood. The life of a mother is a sacred condition and calling from God. A mother is entrusted with the most vulnerable creation made in God's image. And she's assigned and empowered to care for that little son or daughter in her arms. And while Mary's reaction of, as you recall at the very end, she says, let it be according to your word. I'm a servant of the Lord. You know, while that might be a common reaction 2,000 years ago, it's growing more and more uncommon today for there to be, I'll put it, an excited reaction to some sort of statement like this. Oddly enough, in our own society, there's push, uh, pushback against motherhood in one way or another. So yes, we celebrate Mother's Day as a nation. Uh, athletes love to say, hi mom, when they're being interviewed. Like that happens all the time. But there's this hot tidal wave of influencers downplaying the beauty and the importance of having a home and raising children. We see this in the arts, we see this in academics, we see this in legislation and social media. And we live in a generation where men and women have believed the lie that birthing and raising kids is a trivial act compared to other life goals and obligations, as if it's second-hand, second-class in one way or another. Last night, I, I pulled up Twitter just, just to be like, hey, let me give a super quick, unbiased, no-context search real quick. Typed in mother, countermeasure to the beautiful role of motherhood and family. And as Christians, I, I wanna encourage us to be bold, to avoid substituting a holy design from God in the role of being a parent in one way or another, to avoid this and exchange it for some earthly position, uh, particularly in a company that, you know, if you were let go, they would replace you within 24 hours. But your own family has great, great, amazing outcomes with eternal implications. So let's advocate for healthy marriages and families because God created these. Not everyone will have children for various reasons and even bringing this topic up, I recognize, can be a like, kind of like a landmine field, but nonetheless. There are all walks of life and parenthood represented in our church and definitely in our community and we wanna show kindness and charity to all. But as I read this, Luke 1, Mary's response to this moment was worship. And it's, it's shocking and it catches our attention because Satan has used arguably the most important form of worship uh, where, where, where a woman will receive that, uh, that miracle of what is unique to what she can do as far as giving birth. And Satan has corrupted the joy out of that in our own, in our own culture. Now the fourth unique and uncommon moment that I see here is the baby names given to this child. And not just the name, but the titles also. These are extremely uncommon. These are designated for one, one person, Jesus. So we love thinking of baby names and their meanings. Well, did you see the list of baby names and titles given for this, for this baby? This is quite the pronouncement. I mean, it's one thing to say, this is what you will name this child. It's another thing to have all these different attributes. So let's look at the, the first one is Jesus, verse 31. Jesus, it means Lord is salvation. 
because Jesus would be the one that would save people from their sin. Jesus is our savior. And by the name of Jesus, which we were singing about a couple songs ago, the name of Jesus, you know, chains are broken. We, 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 can, we can experience breakthrough. We pray in the name of Jesus. We seek Jesus. In this we recognize Jesus would save the people from their sins. Also, he is great. This is the Greek word megas, megas. You know, like we get the word mega from it, megas. It means grand, greater, greatest. Great, great, great is really what it means. It's not very hard. You know, what's, the, what's the real word mean? It means great. Hey, that's not complicated at all. He is truly the greatest of all time, right? Jesus is the goat. And we keep going. He is the son of the most high. He is the recipient of the throne of David. He would reign over Israel, unlike other kings, not reign for one stint or reign for 40 years or so. He would reign forever. Also, his kingdom, it would have no end. There's an, an eternal attribute to his kingdom, unlike an earthly kingdom. And then lastly, when you skip down to verse 35, the angel also says that he is holy and the son of God. And this reminds me of Psalm 99, which in the beginning uses these words. The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. On and on and on, we see in scripture these amazing proclamations of who are in the day, things you can reflect on, things you can worship, things you can fill your mind and your time with. Do you know Jesus Christ? There, there is... There is no greater and important message for me as a preacher and for you as a follower of Christ uh, within your family, if there's children who don't know the Lord yet, or family members that you'll interact with, uh, coworkers, neighbors. No greater message, creature, right? He's not a creature, he's created through the word, which he calls God. The apostle says that God created the world through the Son. He also says that God created all things through Jesus Christ. And so it must follow that the one who is called God, the Word, the Son, and Jesus Christ already existed before creating all things. Therefore, the prophet Micah says that Christ's origin is from ancient days. And the apostle says that the Son has neither beginning of days nor the end of life. Here's the end. So then he is the true eternal God, the Almighty, whom we invoke, worship, and serve. That's a, that's a good, systematic, succinct description of who Jesus is. Uh, you could you know, compile all that together. Between the words from the angel here, who knew Jesus, saw Jesus, and the portrayal here in this one creed, we see a wonderful portrayal. So friends, let me re-ask you, do you know him? As we celebrate Christmas and the birth of Christ, we distinctly worship Jesus and all of his attributes and his nature. And of these descriptions, there might be one or more that stand out to you the most. Which one, which one is it? Let me reread for us real quick these different titles from the angel. Jesus, great, son of the most high, He's recipient of the throne of David. He would reign over Israel. His kingdom has no end. He is holy and he is the son of God. 
Let us remember who our Savior is and also let us challenge ourselves. Do we know him? Not just know about Jesus. Anybody can know about Jesus. Do you know him? Has, is he actually your Savior? Or is he just somebody that's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know the alternative of what he might be. The fifth and the last uncommon moment that I want to bring our attention to is verse 37. It's this phrase, nothing is impossible with God. And I read this whole story, you know, and studying it, and I got to that and was just struck. And, and I, I thought, I actually kind of want to preach just that verse, but that verse is describing the context for Elizabeth in her old age, having a child. And since I want to talk more about Mary, <laughs> we stuck on the other stuff. But this verse stands out. Nothing is impossible. Nothing will be impossible with God. You know, this isn't just the only time this is mentioned. Uh, let me read for you three, but there are so many other descriptions in Scripture with this same sort of picture. Matthew 19, verse 26, it says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, with, but with God all things are possible. Jeremiah 32, verse 17 it says, ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. And then lastly, Genesis 18, verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time, I will return to you about this time next year. Sarah will have a son. She, like Elizabeth, was also in her old age. And it seemed impossible that she could have a child. So Genesis 18, 14. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Our God loves to do the impossible. And what we look at with human limitation or finite knowledge or understanding, God looks at and says, that's easy. So this Christmas season, as we reflect on Jesus, as we remember all these different attributes of what's going on, and wonderful components of this story, Let's conclude by, by challenging ourselves. What is going on in our lives where we need God to do the seemingly impossible? In this week alone, I've talked to those who need God to restore their marriage, to heal a sickness, to reconcile a relationship, to provide a physical need, including money and shelter and food. And they need a loved one to actually believe in Jesus Christ, they've been begging God to save their child, save their husband, save their wife, save their parent. And they've been praying and praying and praying. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. Let's not move through this Christmas season and even this story about the angel's words to Mary without allowing ourselves to, to have a I'll call it a greater step in actually believing nothing is impossible for the Lord. Deeper faith, remembering that. So five uncommon moments in this story. Mary, she lived a life ready to be greatly used. That's pretty uncommon. A lot of people, statistically, very few actually want to live that way. Secondly, the angel Gabriel, he shows up. And he's a beast. <laughs> it's awesome. 
Mary, she shows us the value of motherhood, which may have been common at the time, but is more and more uncommon today. We have these uncommon baby names and titles. And then lastly, nothing is impossible with God. What an uncommon mindset for others to have. I'm not sure which one of these may resonate the most with you, uh, but this morning, uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna take these to the Lord. So Trenton, if you and the team would um, lead us in a, in a final song, I, I wanna ask that you would find yourself worshiping and, and using this time, making the most of this time with personal prayer or proclaiming the words we sing, asking somebody to pray with you on a, on a matter one way or another. And we're gonna ask that God would, would minister to us with this. So let me, let me pray for us.